Welcome to Now Let's Talk, the podcast with Vanessa Corwin and Kathleen Kahn. As the world opens up, we'll be talking to people about their experiences during COVID, as well as the joys and challenges of life beyond the pandemic. Hello, I'm Vanessa Corwin. And I'm Kathleen Kahn. Our guest today is Tish Robbie, author, producer, singer-songwriter, and publisher, specializing in children's content across multiple platforms. She's created a company with a unique business model and has partnered with some of the biggest names in the business. She's here to talk about what she does and the state of kids' content. It's not just books anymore. Welcome, Tish. Welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. So let's start from the beginning. So tell us about your background and uh, how you got into this business. Well, as a matter of fact, I'm always thrilled to say this to people. Um, I started out to be an opera singer. (laughs) I went to college to be an opera singer. I actually have a, indeed, a four-year degree in opera with a minor in jazz from Ithaca College School of Music. And I came to New York in the 70s, uh, convinced that I would be a star in approximately one year. (laughs) And it didn't exactly work out with all the auditions and this, that, and the other thing. But I was lucky enough to have a high school music teacher who was the assistant music director for Sesame Street. And I met him in New York and I said, Mr. Connor, I am auditioning all over the place. And every time anyone says to me, you have a beautiful voice, I knew I wasn't going to get a job. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's what happened. However, I had this music degree where the ink wasn't dry and he needed a secretary. We called him secretary back then. And I started at the music department of Sesame Street season four. And my first job, Kat, you won't believe it, was hiring the other jingle singers in New York to sing for the Muppets. And all I wanted to do was sing for the Muppets. So I sang all day. I sang when I typed and I sang when I filed (laughs) and I sang when I answered the phone, Sesame Street, may I help you? Well, I drove everybody so crazy that after about a year, one of the composers said, I've got a recording tomorrow for this song with Oscar. Do you want to sing backup? I need two people to sing backup. And my big break, which always cracked my mother up was, I love trash. (laughs) <laughs> anything dirty, she and dusty, anything ragged, rotten and rusty. Oh, I love, I love, I love trash. That was my big break uh, in show That's business. amazing. And who was the music director at the time, Tish? Music director at that point was Joe Raposo. Oh, of wrote course. The theme we all know, and of course was famous of for being, being green. He was a big influence for yes. me. I, I spent years singing and I had four of his songs. Well, it was called the Sesame Street Medley. And I ended with Being Green, which is, oh. I would still do it today. Oh, it's we'll sing brilliant. it in duets. We'll get together. I'll sing, we'll sing it in uh, Okay, sounds good. <laughs> I love um, it. And of course, to lead into today's conversation, at, at that time at Sesame Street, they were looking for books. They had this huge successful show, which was a bit of a surprise. I admit a lot of people didn't think it was going to be successful. 
And all of a sudden they're all over the place trying to find books. And they literally said to those of us who work there, if you've got a book idea, come on wow. down. Every two o'clock on Thursdays, they had pitch meetings. And I went down, I don't know why I thought of this, but I went flying downstairs. And when I was six, I had a little kitten and she ran into the kitchen and I hit the table and broke my grandmother's antique teapot. And I was so worried my mother was going to be mad. She was in the backyard. She came in and she saw all this broken glass. And she said, you know what? I love you more than any old dusty teapot. And I went down at two o'clock that afternoon and I pitched this thing. And there was dead silence in the pitch meeting until the senior editor for Sesame Street Books said, could you make it a story for Bert? Wow. And I said, sure, Bert. Hey, I'm all over it. <laughs> and um, Bert and the Broken Teapot came out for Sesame Street. And in the same thing that happened to me happens to Bert. He helps David in David's restaurant. He breaks David's favorite teapot. He spends the whole book trying to get it fixed. Finally tells David he broke it. And David says, my friend Bert is more important to me than any teapot. I love it. Aww. Oh, how wonderful. Was, this yeah, is such okay. a great story. That is sweet. Uh, it got great, uh, rev- it got re- oh. great reviews. It had people wrote in and oh, it was a you know, message that was important at the time. And, all. and after that, seriously, I just was on a roll. I've written 182 children's books oh, and goodness. I literally just wow. wrote for everybody. Blue's Clues, Curious George, Bear in the Big Blue House, Clifford, the peep in the big wide world. I mean, it went on and on and on. It's an amazing story. You know, you think your your career is going one way and then all of a sudden there you are. It's true. Singing on the phone and singing for Bert. Singing for Bert. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now tell us more about the company that you've created um, yes. now. It's interesting because um, as, as you know, I've written for all the major publishers, everybody. And I started to think a little bit about, was there a way to do books in sort of a different and unique way? And I thought, you know, there are issues out there that don't necessarily warrant hundreds and hundreds of thousands of copies of this book. There are unique issues that can help kids, parents, caregivers, teachers, that we can get out there quickly, number one, inexpensively, number two, and reach a specific audience who needs the help. And uh, in June, 2020, I was home in the height of COVID and I decided, you know what? I'm not ready to retire and let me give this a try. And the first thing that happened, I am a big believer in getting free books into the hands of needy kids. After my lifetime at Sesame Street and it's been a lifetime, to understand that in 2023, there are millions of children in this country that do not have one book in the house. A friend of mine asked me if I knew about Pajama Program. Pajama Program is a nonprofit. They've been around for 25 years, a wonderful organization, and they give free pajamas, new pajamas and storybooks to children facing difficult life situations. And I was so excited to hear about them that I went into their office and I said, how can I help you? Can I 
help you raise money for books? Can I help you get some pajamas? And they explained to me they had a challenge, which was they wanted to help parents learn comforting bedtime routines for these kids mm-hmm. and help them get ready for sleep. So these children and all children and all people can thrive. And I immediately had an idea that I could create a rhyming, gentle storybook. And you know, I have my background in singing, so we'll put in a lullaby. (laughs) We have to sing, right? And (laughs) then in the back, I would put in the parent tips. And because I am a 100% rhyming author, I thought, what if I put the parent tips in, in rhyme? So for instance, 30 to 60 minutes before you tuck them in is the perfect time for their bedtime routine to begin. Keep them simple, keep them rhyming. And the book came out and has been wildly successful. And we have done a version in Spanish. And as of Friday, we are putting out a version in Ukrainian for the Ukrainian refugee children who are here and struggling to learn how to English. Very simple book, not a lot of text, but sweet and lovely. And yeah, how old are the children, These the book that you're discussing? Yes, yeah. this particular book is called Sweet Dreams Ahead, Time for Bed, and it's for zero to four. Mm-hmm. And what it does in the book is it literally takes you through the steps um, of getting ready for bed. It's time for us to end our day, time to tuck the day away. And then you go through the little, little brush your teeth, take a bath, get in pajamas, read a book and go to sleep. Very calming, very soothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's just been wildly successful. Now, wow. this is interesting that you uh, found out about this organization and your company is now part of it. How do you determine how to partner with somebody or how to collaborate with someone? Right. Well, it's a good question. And our the mission of our company is really to create not only books, but we've written some songs and some videos that help children, parents, teachers, and caregivers. So when we meet a potential partner, we can immediately tell if their mission is aligned with our mission. And we have created a very funny book, I think it's funny, called Days Can Be Sunny for Bunnies and Money, which helps four to seven-year-olds, a little bit older, learn how to manage money. And that came about because I kept hearing from the librarians in the schools, I do a lot of school author visits, that there was very little to tell kids how to earn, save, and spend. And in my book, I added give. I wanted kids to understand at a young age that you you could help a little bit if you can. And uh, that book has done very well. And it really did fulfill a need to help kids learn about money, how to manage money. So we're all over the place, but it's very exciting. It is. I think what you do is exciting. Now, you're really more of a, a multimedia enterprise. Is that right? Because you've done things other than just books. Yeah. For, at this point, I think I've written pretty close to 300 children's songs for broadcast television. I was the 
one of the lead songwriters for 321 Contact back in the day. And I've written for Nickelodeon and Sesame Street and Disney. And um, for a while, I was the singing voice of Cinderella for Book and Audio. Every beautiful princess you happen to see is learning the alphabet from A to Z. I sang for Cinderella for a while. So singing uh, music, uh, songs, um, the lullaby from Sweet Dreams Ahead, Time for Bed is written to the tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. <laughs> Night is here, today is done. It's time to sleep, my little one. So what we do is try to make it as simple as we can. And one thing I'm, I'm passionate about is urging everyone to speak and sing to their kids. What I say to everybody is to your child, your voice is the most beautiful thing there is to hear. Mm-hmm. And we provide tracks for, you know, I try to provide tracks for people to sing with, but it doesn't matter whatever your voice sounds like, whether you hit the notes, you're not even close, doesn't matter. Uh, we just urge everybody to sing to their kids. Now, has the social media and visual media influenced children's literature or changed what you have been doing? I think what's happening is it's easier now to reach audiences. You know, mm-hmm. Vanessa and I go back to Sesame Street and yes. it was always, how, how do you, <laughs> where are these people and how do we reach them and what do we do? <laughs> yeah. you know? And that's yeah. so much easier now. And, oh. and the interesting thing that I found post-COVID was that, in interestingly enough, the children's book industry is doing just great. And what really happened, which you'd never see coming, is everyone got so burned out with screens you know, mm. Zoom meetings and seeing their grandparents on Zoom and, you know, it, seeing the seeing us on FaceTime and, you know, it, that the book, the holding the book, the reading the book, the reading the picture book, the reading the book, the turning the pages has now stronger than ever because, wow. you know, in a funny way, there was a big lag there when we were all just looking at people on screens. Right. And, you know, the New York Times even has a bestseller list for children's books. And do you think this has helped enhance the popularity of actual books for kids? I do. I think that people recognize that the act activity of holding a child in your lap with the book in front of both of you and turning the pages. It's also very interesting because children's books can be used as diagnostic tools. For a long time, I worked with a charity that gave out books at the pediatrician's office, well visits, and they could literally hand a free book to a little child. And if the little child held it upside down or dropped it or didn't know what it was or didn't understand how to turn the pages, that told them a little bit about the child's developmental state. So books are very, very powerful for this audience. It seems that uh, all these beautiful ideas you have, I was going to ask you if the current news has changed kids' ideas in the world. The world has changed. The pace has changed. Everything's changed. But kids are kids. They care about their parents. They care about their siblings. They care about their dogs. We have to remember that. And that two things that are big for me is I always write with heart. Many authors, it's hip, it's cool, 
everybody's mm -hmm. cool, everybody's, you know. But at the end, the heart tug is important uh, because you have to reach. I have a little book called The I Believe Bunny. And at the end, it says something about just like the I Believe Bunny, you may get a surprise. You can make a difference, even a bunny your size. And it's just that hug right at the end. And I write with my books, I write the last page first. Hmm. Because the last page in a children's book is the most important real estate you have. Because you have to sum up exactly what the point of the book was. And then you shut the book and the child goes to sleep many times, nap or go to bed. And that will resonate in their hearts what it was you said last. I'm curious, how many pages are in the book? Mm -hmm. uh, the books vary, but at Tishrabi Books, we uh, basically are 24. All children's books are either 24 or 32. The Dr. Seuss books I wrote for years are 42. That's mm -hmm. a lot to read to a child before they go to bed. Those books take a long time to read. So for the Sweet Dreams book, for instance, it's 24 pages, rhythmics, rhythmic, you know, and the lullaby singing. So um, for us right now, we're sort of focused on 24. Now, how did you arrive at these numbers? Was it like a trial and error or mm -hmm. how, how did that come about? Well, it's interesting. Their standard book uh, publishing um, lengths and part of that is the print costs. One thing that happened during COVID was the paper shortage hit everybody, um, the supply chain and paper costs. So um, we, at the moment, although we are, we're ready to do some hardcover books, all our books are soft cover. Mm -hmm. So the other thing we try to do in our company is keep the, the price to the parent low. Mm -hmm. So uh, our books are, are like between $6.99 and $10.99. Where does you know, the distribution and the actual pulling yeah. together the book happen? Well, it's very interesting during COVID. Here I'd launched this brand new company and I had to get these books printed. Mm -hmm. And the, the growth for me was I have always been a deliver the words person. And all of a sudden, a year later, there's a box of books on my porch because you get 10 free books when you're a children's book author. And now suddenly I'm responsible for printing, art direction, find an illustrator, put the book together, find, on and on. And I was very nervous. We got print estimates from Nebraska, Wisconsin, Louisiana. And I said to my husband, my first order for pajama program was 20,000 books. And I said to him, what do we do if they don't allow trucks to cross state lines or what? How? And our art director knew a printer in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, I wow. live in Mystic, Connecticut, New Haven, oh, wow. USA, right? And I said at that point, what would be the worst thing? You know, we get in our car exactly. <laughs> and drive and pick up the 20,000, drive them into Manhattan for pajama <laughs> program. How, how's the worst is going to be? So um, we're very, very lucky at our company that we can print in the United States. He's right down the street. They are That's wonderful. Great. Wow. And uh, that has really helped. How do you keep current with what's happening in the world of kids content? Yep. I am a staunch believer that the true heroes in America are the teachers. 
between first and second grade teachers and school librarians. It's amazing to really talk to the people with their feet on the ground of what is going on out there. And the, the school library, yes, the librarians uh, and the school librarians will tell you that the same books go out the door every single day, you know, come back, go out, come back, come out. And one of the things that I'm working on now, which sort of fascinates me, is uh, the graphic novel format. We are having a lot of children who struggle to read a book that looks like a book. The kind of fun thing about the graphic novel format is it looks like a comic book, but it's still a story. It's still got words, beginning, middle, and end. And a lot of the classic children's books are being converted to graphic novels. I'm creating original content with the ones we're working on. But yesterday I took out the Babysitter's Club. The Babysitter's Club and Martin, we used to work on Scholastic this, you know, years ago, and they've taken the content and put it into a whole new format to try to help struggling uh, and reluctant readers. So that's a perfect example of a new way to take same material, you know, same stories with these girls babysitting and put it into a new format. Coming up with new ideas, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And the fun thing about what our company is doing is I'm writing books about topics. Let me put it this way. I had never imagined that I was going to be writing a book for kids about money. But, you know, so you get to, you get to start yeah. going, what? Um, and what I did was I created these three bunny triplets. And bunnies are tough in children's literature because the minute you say bunny, everybody thinks Easter bunny, fuzzy, fuzzy little chicks, right? What I wanted was hip bunnies. And we found an illustrator in the UK, they're a riot, and they are triplets. Honey Fern likes to earn, Sunny Dave <laughs> likes to save, and Funny Ben likes to spend. <laughs> so, but you know, you have to, I had to put a little spin on it so that the four to seven-year-olds we are, you know, having read that book didn't think mm -hmm. it was too baby, you know, too young. Yes. Yes. So it's challenging, but fun. So you uh, tend to focus on kind of the younger age groups. Did you ever think of doing something for the tweens and teens? It's really true. I absolutely specialize in zero to eight. Uh, and what we, what we do is there are two sections of that. There's zero to four, which is a Sweet Dreams book, Sweet Little Young. And then there's four to seven or four to eight which is, you know, kindergarten, first, a little bit into second grade. Um, I've never had any uh, talent for or imagine how anybody writes for middle grade. I, I, my hat is off to everybody who writes for middle grade, <laughs> but uh, it is not my gift. So uh, now, Tish, you and I come from Sesame Street and Ooh. we're very familiar with the research model, the, the way Sesame Street um, does research on their content. Do you do anything uh, like that with your work? You know, it's funny. I mostly, it, my kids were little. Um, my, my youngest is 32, but when um, they were little, I used to have them read my books out loud. And one thing I urge everybody out there who is a writer, whether it's children's books or a script for a screenplay or what, the big thing was to have somebody who has no idea what you're working on, 
read it back to you out loud. Not your husband who's been hearing you talk about it for you know the last six months, somebody out of nowhere. And with rhyme, when I have some, one of the kids read it back to me, and now my grandchildren read it back to me, if they stumble on a word, you know you have to fix it. Right. Really interesting. So that's, I think that has really helped me because when you write in your head all the time and you put it down on a page to get a new point of view from someone who's never seen it is really powerful. You actually answered the next question I was <laughs> going to ask, which is advice for aspiring content creators, which you just sure. answered beautifully. But I tell people about writing for children, just a couple things. Number one, you do not have to have kids to write for kids. Uh, many of the greats out there have not had kids and, you know, start me with Beatrix Potter and go on, right? What I do believe in my heart is it does help to remember what it felt like to be a kid, uh, remember things from your childhood that resonate still. I definitely urge them to uh, beginning, middle, and end. The story's got to go someplace and then come back to somewhere. Um, and the last two, obviously, write the last page first. There are a lot of great ideas for books and any kind of content, but you get started and off you go. What's the ending? What's the punchline? Where, where are we going? What's, where is it, what, what is the message? So those are just a few um, that I, I often tell people. Yeah. Um, the other, I carry paper and pencils and pens everywhere. I mean, every, I, in the car, in, in my husband's car, you know, on, next to the bed, in my office, on the floor, you know, because ideas will come to you from the strangest oddball place. And I tell everybody that ideas are like snowflakes. If you don't write them down, they disappear. Now, last but certainly not least, <laughs> how can people learn more about you and your work? Okay, well, I appreciate that. Our website is Tish, T-I-S-H, Robbie, R-A-B-E, books, B-O-O-K-S, Dot com. And on our website, you'll find our books, there are songs, there are all kinds of researches, resources. I'm also very proud to share with the two of you, because this is breaking news. After a year of complicated paperwork, I, my company has been named a federally certified company by the Women-Owned Small Business Administration uh, of the Small Business Administration. And the reason I work so hard to get that is I am really want to reach the federally funded uh, organizations that help families. Head Start, Department of Defense for the Army and the Navy, Department of Education, where we are poised to create material for them, help these families. I am a part of a military family and I support uh, the children of those who serve any way we can. Congratulations on that certification. I'm sure yes. that's going to open a lot of doors for you. It was a lot of work, but it was worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Tish, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing all of this wonderful information. Oh, I really appreciate it. And uh, it's fun to get the, when you're right, running a tiny children's publishing company, it's wonderful to be able to get the word out. 
Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your comments and questions to info at nowletstalkthepodcast.com and check out our website at nowletstalkthepodcast.com. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. 